So for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Christmas joy and anticipation for Christmas next week. And this morning, we're picking up where we left off. And today, we're talking about the collective joy that we experience during Christmas. The joy that we experience during Christmas is supposed to be a communal experience, that we all experience this joy Christmas joy isn't supposed to be just an individual experience that you or I only experience, but it's something that we all should experience. We all should get a sense of this joy of awaiting Jesus Christ's second return. And this past week, I think most of us might have experienced a sense of that, this sense of communal emotion or communal um, something uh, to one degree or another. I think this week we might have experienced communal sorrow in the loss of Tu Jir Hyung, uh, a very prominent figure in the Hmong community. As tragic as this was, as tragic as this murder was, we also experienced a sense of joy, at least in my opinion, um, in, in mourning what happened to him and then also reflecting on all the wonderful memories and interactions that we've had of, of Tudor and the impact that he's made to his community. And so this sense of collective joy, I think, was felt by all of us to one degree or another, whether we know Tudor personally or we know of him. Um, and, and I ask that we just continue to keep his friends, his families in prayers uh, throughout this entire process. We have River Life family who is connected with him in various ways. And so may we continue to pray peace for their family during this time. As I think about communal joy, I think about the places where I feel communal joy. And oftentimes those are the communities and the little niches and the little hobbies that I'm part of. And so I have a, a, a sometimes an unhealthy obsession with sneakers. And so this past Friday, uh, a pair of Kobe's came out. And Kobe Bryant's death has made his shoes sought after. And when sought after shoes are, uh, when they come out, Nike has this raffle system where you submit what size you want along with your payment information. So if you're selected, they automatically charge you and then they ship you the shoes. Uh, individuals in some of the sneaker groups that I'm a part of erupted with joy when they won this lottery and they started chiming in, posting like, hey, I won the Kobe's. And then of course, people would chime in on third, like, hey, I won the Kobe's too. And so there was this communal joy of like, hey, I can relate to the, to the happiness, the joy that you're experiencing because I'm experiencing that as well too. A couple summers ago, Sunisa Lee won gold at the Olympics. And I think every one of us, to one degree or another, felt a sense of collective joy in celebrating her accomplishments, whether it was because she was Hmong or if she was a woman or if she was uh, from Minnesota or whatever it was, uh, she won a gold medal at the highest level of competition, being recognized as one of the best in the world. Some of you have, might have, have celebrated this joy by posting on your social media, or maybe you attended the parade to celebrate her victory. Maybe you've even enrolled your kids into gymnastics as a way to honor who she is and what she's done. Now, one of my all-time favorite moments experiencing collected joy was when Avengers Endgame came out. Now, if you're into the MCU movies, this was a highly anticipated sequel to the Avengers before it, Avengers Infinity War, 
where Thanos, the main villain, the main antagonist, won after he put on the gauntlet with the infinity rings and snapped his fingers, and half of the living things in the universe exterminated, uh, was exterminated, including some of the beloved heroes that we learned to love, like Groot, Drax, and Spider-Man. I can still feel the weight of the hopelessness in that scene in, in Infinity War. And so when the sequel came out, I couldn't wait to see what it would be, and I was not disappointed. I remember the moment in Endgame where Captain America, almost defeated, struggles to get on his feet. His, blood is, his face is stained with blood from battling Thanos. He's got a broken shield, and he takes a final stand against Thanos and his entire army. And it's just, it's just Captain America. Everyone has been beaten and battered. And then suddenly, you get a little static that comes on his little comm system. And you hear the voice of Falcon, a hero that was also exterminated when Thanos snapped. And then, he, and then, and then his voice becomes clearer and clearer. And it comes through. And then, in dramatic fashion, all the other heroes that were exterminated return and they come to Captain America's side to help him fight Thanos. Now, if your theater experience wasn't like what I'm going to show you here in a little bit, something was wrong because there was so much collective joy in that moment. So check out the experience that some people uh, experience uh, in, in Endgame. And so let's watch this quick clip here. And Johan, there we go. If that wasn't your experience watching Endgame, you missed out. I remember in the theater, people were getting on their seats, and they were cheering, and they were clapping their hands. And that wasn't my video. That was just a YouTube video I found. I, would, I don't condone any bootleg, any bootleg. In the, uh, so that wasn't my video. But again, everyone's cheering, clapping. Like, people were like, yeah, like, woo! It was just filled with this immense collective joy of, of hope returning. And so whenever I watch videos like this, it brings me chills because it reminds me of that joy that we all experience together. Now, the emotions of collective joy is, they're amazing. The emotions that we get when we experience collective joy, they're amazing. But in the last few years, we know that COVID has prevented us from being able to experience collective joy because we haven't been able to be with each other. We've been isolated in our homes and in our spaces. And thankfully, this year, uh, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services declared the pandemic no longer a public health emergency. Doesn't mean that COVID is over, but the greater population has developed immunity. We've seen improvements in care and lower rates of hospitalization and death. And so the, the uh, public health declaring it as an emergency, that has been, that, that's no longer um, the, the situation. And so it's allowed us to return to some semblance of what was once normal. And this particularly has allowed for some very notable experiences that has created a sense of collective joy just this year. Experiences like Taylor Swift, Beyonce concerts, and Barbie, the movie Barbie, have been some of the most notable events that have captivated and cultivated uh, collective joy. Pastor Greg and I first caught wind of this when Christianity Today published an article titled, Barbie and Taylor Swift are bringing us together back in August of 2023. 
Washington Post, NPR, they have also put out very similar articles too, talking about how these three iconic women have helped other women all across the U.S. capture a sense of unity and belonging while society as a whole have experienced much polarization over political parties, pandemic regulations, race and racial relationships, etc. You name it. Again, we've experienced a ton of polarization, but these writers have suggested that despite the high cost of attending some of these events, people have forked up the money because they have found value in coming together to these events, not to just be entertained, entertainment's a part of it too, but to also experience the joy of what it means to be human, what it means to live life together with the struggles that we experience. And interestingly, there's a parallel that all three of these major events have uh, with Christmas. If we take Christmas and we peel away all the, the fun and entertaining things about it, if we take Christmas and peel away Santa, peel away presents, peel away decorations, peel away the peppermint-flavored candy and drinks, the celebrations, we peel away the music, we find that at the core of Christmas, Christmas offers us insight, especially to the believers, it offers insight to what it means to be human, and how do we live with each other with our struggles? But before we get deeper into any of these things, Christmas invites us into this collective joy that there is a solution into experiencing humanity. We see this when the, innate, when the angels announce the birth of Jesus to two unique groups of people, First, the Magi, and then the shepherds. Let me read to you the account of the Magi, and this is in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and I'll be reading from 10 to 11 too. Feel free to follow along. This is what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The magi or wise men were some, the magi and wise men were some sort of religious astrologers, maybe even religious priests from the Persian area, which is modern-day Iran. And Bible scholars believe that from Iran to Jerusalem, they walked at least 900 miles, and then another five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to witness the joy of seeing Jesus, who was born King of the Jews. Now, 900 miles is roughly the same distance as the Twin Cities to Nashville, Tennessee, and in the very short time that I spent in Nashville, Tennessee, I, I've discovered the joy of Nashville hot chicken. To this day, I'm looking for a place that serves Nashville hot chicken, but Minnesota just doesn't do Nashville hot chicken well. As much as I like Nashville hot chicken, I don't think I'd be willing to walk 900 miles for it, let alone if we had a Nashville hot chicken place somewhere here. I don't know if I'd be willing to walk nine blocks for it. 
And if it had, we had a place that was 19 minutes away that I had to drive, I don't know if it would be important enough for me to, to drive 19 minutes for hot, Nashville hot chicken. But it was important enough for the Magi to walk, not fly, not drive, not take a train, but to walk 900 miles. There was a joyful expectation in this prophecy of a promised king. The Magi wanted to see and they wanted to worship Jesus. Bible scholars believe that the Magi were aware of this prophecy because they were made aware of the Old Testament prophecies when the Jews were exiled in Persia. So even though they were separated by 900 miles, again, when the Jews were exiles in Persia, they probably picked up on some of the prophecies. And so they were looking forward to this king born to the, this king that would be born in Bethlehem. And a bit of a side note, but here's a neat perspective about the star that they followed. Some commentary suggests that this star was just a coincidental natural phenomenon, like a comet, maybe a supernova, that just happened to coincidentally occur the same time that Jesus was born, signifying and informing the Magi that something special was happening. While others suggest that this wasn't just a coincidence, but rather the star was an angel guiding the Magi to Jesus. And throughout scripture, uh, the Bible talks about angels, refers to angels as stars. And so some reference, if you want to look into it some more, is Job chapter 38, verse 7, or Daniel verse 8, chapter 8, verse 10, or Revelation chapter 1, verse 16 and 20, or chapter 2, verse 1, and even chapter 3, verse 1. And even fallen angels, and so angels as a whole are referred to as stars. And so fallen angel references as to, to, to fallen angels being stars can be found in Revelations 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 10, and, and verse 11, and then chapter 9, verse 1. And this makes some sense because it also draws parallels to the Old Testament where an angel guided Moses and Israelites from Egypt to the Promised Land. And then if you think about it logically, the Magi traveled from the east to the west, and the earth rotates, and so we know that the sun doesn't rise, but the sun comes from the east and sets in the, and it looks, from our perspective, it feels like the sun rises from the east and sets in the west, but again, because of the earth's rotation, the sun and the stars move east to west. And so if the Magi were following the stars, Logically, they would be following the stars more towards east, but they were going west against the grain of where the stars were going. And so there was an intentionality that God had in interacting with them, in, in sending this angel to guide them, to bring them to Jesus. When the star was over the place where Jesus stayed, the Bible says that the magi, the wise men, were overjoyed, that they saw Jesus, and in their response in seeing Jesus, they bowed down, they worshipped him by offering gifts fit for a king. Now, I don't know if they brought these gifts with them or if they stopped at the local Target or CVS for these gifts, but again, my guess is they probably bought the, brought these gifts with them. They carried these gifts with them 900 miles with them. And so, again, although we don't quite know who the magi exactly are, whether they're kings, priests, astrologers, magicians, there was a level of privilege that they had in being able to directly connect with King Herod, and then they were also had this ability to connect with Jesus um, and, and experience this collective joy, and, and they, again, were joyful based on their response and based on well, the gifts that they offered to Jesus. 
Now, earlier I mentioned how Taylor Swift's, concert, Taylor Swift's concerts have been a major experience of collective joy for the U.S. this year. Reports have shown that an average ticket price for her ears tours was anywhere between 11 to about $1,000 and, and up. And so to experience collective joy at Taylor's con Taylor Swift conference takes in a certain amount of privilege, takes a, to a certain amount of, of financial privilege to be able to experience that joy. But what's amazing about the collective joy that Jesus offers is that it was available to anyone. So yes, the Magi had a privilege to, to meet with Jesus, but it wasn't limited to just the Magi. It wasn't limited to those who could afford it based on, again, their rank or their leadership or their abilities or their financial abilities, but this collective joy, this collective joy was available to all. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, we hear the collective joy from the shepherds. Let me read, uh, let me read this, this passage for us. This is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left, them, had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds and said to them, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, shepherds were the most average of people during this time in the society. And in today's world, I'd imagine shepherds being the equivalent of the cashiers that maybe we see at the stores that we go to for groceries and clothes. And so shepherds looked over sheep, and sheep's, sheep, they were a source of, of food, they were a source of wool and sheepskin for clothing. And so again, I'd imagine equate them to, to something like cashiers who provide us with the essential needs, but they're overlooked because, again, they're lowly and humble people. So if the shepherds existed during our time and they wanted to experience the collective joy at, say, a Taylor Swift concert, it would be a really, really big stretch on their finances. It would mean that they would risk not having enough money for maybe gas or food or rent or maybe the electricity bill. And if they could afford seats, it would definitely be in the nosebleed sections. But God, but God in his graciousness sent his angels to the shepherds while the shepherds are on their shift out in the fields watching sheep and informs them of the good news that their Savior has been born. Not to just anyone, but to them, the lowly and the humble. 
Luke describes the shepherds as terrified when they saw the angel, but their fear soon turns into joy as they get an upfront personal performance from the angels who then show up, a host of angels show up and in their humble fields praising God. And their collective joy, the shepherds, their collective joy causes them to rush into town to see baby Jesus, their long-awaited Savior. And when they see Jesus, they can't help but share this experience with everyone in town. And then they return back to their Savior and glorify and praise God for all that they've seen and for all that they've heard. The collective joy in Jesus wasn't just for the wealthy and the privileged. It was for those who couldn't afford it. It was meant for everyone. This collective joy that we are anticipating during Christmas is meant for everyone to experience. It isn't meant for just you. It isn't meant for just me. It isn't meant to be kept a secret. It was meant for all of us to experience together and God shows some of the most the least likeliest uh, and some of the most likeliest to be the very first to experience this joy but most importantly the, the narratives tell us that he, he didn't he, he chose all of us to experience it in giving us the illustration of the both the magi and the shepherds and the greatest joy is that we can experience this collective joy understanding the truth that Jesus was born for all of us so that we can be rescued from anything and everything that harms us. I'm going to go a little bit off script, Johan, and so don't, don't worry about the rest of the, the PowerPoint here, but I think about the collective joy that we ex- we've, ex- we've experienced here at River Life. How have we experienced this collective joy among just our, our unique experience of being a faith family together here at 9,101st Avenue in Brooklyn Park? How has River Life experienced a sense of collective joy? I think about how... Um, Think about how our, 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 oftentimes I'll hear from you parents and you tell, you, you tell Pang, you tell myself, like, man, our kids love being here. Like, we don't have to fight for our kids to, to come to church. Like, they want to come to church. And sometimes I have parents tell me, yeah, we're here because our kids are here. And, there, and so there's this collective joy that brings us together, knowing that, that our kids want to be here. And whether it's for fun or, or for whatever, you know, there's this collective joy. But my hope and, and it's evident already in our kids that our kids have a, a love for who Jesus is, a growing love for who Jesus is, thanks to you as parents and teaching, who them, who, teaching them who Jesus is, and thanks to our kids' ministry that teaches them on Sunday as a supplemental way to, to help them. There's this collective joy that they have that Jesus is real, that Jesus is someone that, that, who loves them, and Jesus is someone who that... Who, who, who loves them that, that, and who they can love and that they, can, they, that they can share with others. And so my hope is that their collective joy will turn into something that allows them to continue to grow in the faith with each other so that they can make even more of an impact than I could or that we could. And so I see this collective joy that our kids have. 
That even in the simple games of, of running around the building and playing tag, that, that they are creating a camaraderie, a partnership, a friendship, and sharing the similarities of that we believe in Jesus and we come to a place where, where we value Jesus. And my hope is that they can continue to grow and spread this collective joy to their friends and their neighborhoods and their schools and their communities and their future workplaces and their future college and universities they go to wherever God takes them. There's this collective joy that our kids have. I think there's this collective joy that this is a place where we belong. A couple months ago, I had the chance to sit down with a couple River Life folks, and, and I had them share their stories about transitioning from, from their previous church into a, a next-gen church, and a lot of them shared stories of feeling like not belonging where they were or feeling like the, the churches that they attended didn't address the, the convictions and the needs and the issues that, that should be addressed as believers. And so I think there's this collective joy that we have of like, this is a place, and this is talking from, from me being someone who's benefited from River Life as well too, not just talking about me being a pastor, but there's this collective joy that there's people who get me and there's people that I belong to who have the same convictions as I do, the same concerns that I do. I'm not just the only, I'm not the only crazy person here. That people care for the things that break my heart. And there's a group of people who care for these things as well, too, that I can belong. And there's this collective joy that, hey, we can do something about this. I think some of our sweet spots are young families, that we just let kids be kids, where sometimes we experience places, churches, where kids have to be put away in the back and they have to be quieted, but we allow kids to be kids. I think we, the sweet spot where we experience collective joy is that we're, we're a place where we can empower women, first gen, um, second gen, third gen, fourth gen. We can empower women to, to do ministry. They just don't have to do the typical things. And, then, and again, my hope is that we continue to empower women and men to continue to do all types of ministry. I think we, exp uh, we, we experience collective joy with blended families, whether that looks like blended families of interracial marriage or, or, or marriages that, that didn't work out and people are remarried or, or again, whatever situation is, interracial marriages, whatever it may be, that we're a place for blended families where we are a, a place where we can, we can invite all those from all sorts of marriages into this place and, and just simply allow you to be. I think we're becoming a sweet spot for a place that's, that although we are primary, primarily Hmong, we're also a space for others who are not Hmong. We definitely see that at our St. Paul campus, and I think we're seeing a little bit of that here at the Brooklyn Park campus. I think we're a safe place in, in these niches where people who experience infertility feel a comfort of like, I can go to River Life and not experience the questions of like, oh, are you married? Where are your kids? Because those are some tough questions that people who experience infertility uh, go through. I think those are some of our sweet spots. And so may we continue to lean in those sweet spots a collective joy and how we can celebrate those with the people around us. But let us also lean into spaces of collective joy that maybe we're not so strong in. And in these areas that we do experience collective joy and in areas that we're still trying to cultivate collective joy, my hope for us for River Life, and this is me included, Let's find a way to continue to invite others to share in this joy with us. Because it's not meant to be kept a secret. It's not meant to be just kept among us, but it's meant to be shared with others. And so if you could think of young families 
who need to experience collective joy, who need support, who need friends and people to come alongside them as they figure out what parenting looks like to third gen and to fourth gen. The invitation I extend to you is to welcome them to River Life. If you think of you women who needs a place to feel empowered, to feel heard, to feel like they can simply be, and, and men who simply can be, I invite you to extend an invitation to them. If you think of blended families who, again, the relationships, the marriage, uh, the children, you know, come from different places, they've come together and they just need a place to simply be, I invite you to extend an invitation for them to come to River Life. If you think of somebody who's not Hmong but could, could fit in and could feel like they belong to a place where there's a collective joy with the concerns and the things that we worry about, the things that we want to make an impact in the community about, I invite you to extend an invitation to River Life. And so next week is our Christmas service. My invitation for all of us is to think of somebody that could benefit from the collective joy that we all feel, that we all experience and invite them in anticipation that it's not us who's doing the work, but it's the Holy Spirit who's doing the work in bringing restoration into life. And while all those things are beautiful things that we can invite them into, the greatest thing about Christmas is this, and this is the greatest thing that we can invite anyone to when it comes to real life, that God has saved us for missing his standards, and he's given us Jesus to meet all that he requires so that we can be in right relationship with him here on earth and forever in eternity. That is the greatest joy that we get to experience and that we can share with everyone. So let me pray for us.